Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Susan Heaton-Wright. Susan, a very warm welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me, Susan, what is it you're up to at the moment? Well, I'm my business is Superstar Communicator and I empower everybody to present the best version of themselves in all business conversations. So that's everything from a podcast interview like this through to a meeting, a difficult conversation, pitching, presenting, public speaking, and also being in the media, because there are a number of things that are similar with that. And what is the impact that happens when people present the best versions of themselves? That they are respected and they have credibility about themselves and how they present themselves. People are more likely to trust them. You're more likely to be successful in business, whether winning more business or in your career life. So tell me, respect, credibility, trust, success, would you describe those as your core values or do they just happen to be byproducts of what you do? <laughs> they are some of my, my core values, absolutely. And I know you've done this many times and I bet people have said that before. <laughs> So tell me, tell me, what are your values? What do you consider your values to be, Susan? To be really to be trustworthy and to do the very best I can. I'm one of those people that doesn't like to do just good enough. I want to deliver whatever I do, whether it's anything from this interview through to delivering work for clients to the best of my ability so that they are delighted. If they're not delighted, let's have a conversation so that we can modify things and, if necessary, add some things to it. So I've got this scale that you're conjuring up for me. And one end is the probably right at the other end is is the awful. And then somewhere in the middle is the not just good enough. And then to the extreme of being as best as you possibly can. How can you measure this? Because this, for me, is like a, a difficult, measurable item. That is a really, really good question. And in a past life, I was an opera singer, just happened to be. And I learned quite soon on that I had to self-evaluate what I did. Because it was very, very easy to look externally at what you had done, what the audience looked like, what people fed back to you and what the critics said, because they might all have their own agenda. Of course, they might be right. 
and they might have some really good feedback. But if you're able internally or, or in your mind, be able to assess how well you had done at particular things, then it makes it easier for you to move forward. And that was something that I learned. I went on a workshop when I was at music college with a sports psychologist who was now working with opera singers, quite a leap, I must admit. And she realized that there were many similarities. Um, other than the fact the sports people, they either win or they don't. They have they can reach a particular time if they're running or or that there are some credible measurements. But for singers and performers, and I would put dancers in that as well and actors, we don't we didn't have the same sort of measures. So by evaluating specific skills such as how well did you engage with the audience? Did you remember everything? Uh, did you fulfill the brief for the client? Um, did, did you score well with the clients? And then you can self-measure that as well. I know that you do some coaching and this is, this is a, a, a technique that is quite often used in um, cognitive therapy. But it was something that I learned quite early on and definitely with my individual clients, it is a technique that I teach. The reason, and I should, sorry, I should carry on by saying that one of the reasons why I realized that this is so powerful is that I was brought up in a, in a home where there was a focus on what you got wrong. And even when I, when I was a singer, my parents could not cope with the fact people would come up to me and say, well done, Susan. They would take more notice of what the critics said. So there was this big thing the day after I'd performed, what would be in the papers? What had the critics said? And that's only their opinion. And likewise, when at music college, I tell the story of doing a recital and coming off stage. And at that point, your adrenaline drops. You're in a very vulnerable emotional state. And my music teacher came up to me waving a piece of paper with about, and she said, I've got 32 things you got wrong. Bye-bye, uh, I'll see you on Monday. I've got a train to catch. <laughs> you know how wrong that is. In public, you, no, well done. And so I'm really, really hot on that to, to self-evaluate, but also to protect myself. I hear what you're saying. And it's so interesting how much emphasis is put on what the critics say. And that, that yeah. as you said, it applies to so many different industries. It's waiting to hear the reviews, waiting to hear you know, how something has landed and, and whether it's been a success or not. And as you say, everyone's got their own agendas. Everybody's got their own measuring. Yes. And it's very hard because it is so subjective. So with the, the superstar communication that people who are superstar communicators have, I, what I want to understand is where does that take them? And I know you said it's it's the respect, the credibility, but what does that actually allow them to achieve? It allows them to speak 
to be able to demonstrate how good they are it gives them a road path a vision that they could be even better that they than they are now they might be a rough diamond they might be a brilliant person but for whatever reason their message or when they speak doesn't land possibly they speak too much and everybody eyes everybody's eyes are rolling or perhaps they aren't able to articulate their own vision or their own opinion or perhaps they don't even have the confidence to be able to share an opinion which is a real shame and the transition between singing to speaking how did that occur that's a really really interesting question because I, when I was a school girl, I didn't used to speak up in class. I was a very, very nervous, anxious child. Possibly I've admitted, uh, mentioned about my parents and their family background, not, not pushing myself forward, not showing off and all of those things to the point that I would avoid speaking. Um, there was a situation when I was 14 that I had, I was one of the musicians at the school and I had to announce the music in, in assembly. And I had chosen a piece from Carmina Burana. Um, and at the end, I mentioned what it was. And I was grabbed literally physically by the English teachers, pushed into the music, into the um, headmistress's office. And it was demanded that I was... Um, it was demanded that I was expelled because the music was uh, the orgy scene from Carmine Burana. Not that I knew that. It was on, on the television all the time, but they thought that I was being really, really naughty. And um, it was only because the deputy headmistress realised I didn't know what orgy meant, that uh, that I was not expelled. However understandably that put a bit of a negative on um, speaking up but coming back to speaking after I left um, wh when I retired from singing I was meeting lots of people who weren't in this weird world of planet opera I was meeting real people and I kept being asked would you come and share some things about how you how you stand or how you have presence or how you project your voice. And before I knew it, I was doing speaking. And um, although I wasn't getting paid at the time, I was sharing some of my expertise for other people. So I rather fell into it. As so many of us fall into whatever careers or, or areas that we are in. So how does purpose fold into your work, Susan? Well, I have, admit, uh, I have mentioned the fact that uh, I want everybody to present the best version of themselves because so often if we don't, we risk being underestimated or risk being undervalued and there's a possibility that we might miss out on developing a really good career. And I remember back to when I was... 17 and at 17 most of us are working out what we're going to do after school and I really wanted to go to university I wanted to apply and I was at a very academic um, 
selective girls school and my form mistress wouldn't give me an application form for university. Um, and as it happened, I pinched one from, <laughs> there happened to be a pile somewhere else. And I filled in the application myself and asked the headmistress to support me. And I ended up going to, you know, a top 100 world university but my life would have been different had I not done that. But I often think back to that, how I felt, how, how angry and frustrated I felt, but also looking at the teachers. And I now realize that what I was doing was not projecting confidence, even though on paper, it would look as though I would get the grades. When they met me and when they spoke to me, because I was very quiet, they didn't believe that I would achieve the grades. And in fact, the grade um, predictions they had for me were two grades lower than what I got for each one, which is pretty awful. Now, I can take that on the chin now, but I don't want anybody else to feel the equivalent of that. And if there's any way that I can at least say to them, do you know what, if you, if you get a bit more confident if you demonstrate with your nonverbal communication or think of three things that you can say so you're making an impact there is a stronger possibility that that person will not be in that position of 17 year old me and thank you for sharing it really is an incredible story uh, that the work you're doing now you know several decades later has originated from and you can pinpoint the moment of feeling underestimated and undervalued by someone and then that desire to prove them wrong and but also to prove to yourself that you're capable to to do that why is it that we're not born with a lack of confidence is it just sort of every day just gets chipped away or it doesn't get supported what do you think I'm not a psychologist, obviously. <laughs> However, I do believe that upbringing comes into it. I don't want to be rude about my family. However, building other people up was not part of the, the culture in my family. And, and definitely I was, I was somebody that in the family that was considered a bit of a joke and, oh, good old Susan. And, um, oh, you know what she's like. And even now, yeah, even now, um, I don't know that the, the, there is the value in what I've achieved. But there is for you. There is for me because I've got my self-evaluation technique. <laughs> and, and it is important. I, the, the whole purpose for this show is to shine the light on the work that people are doing, the incredible work that people are doing across the world and it is about for me to to build people up to to shine the light so that other people can see what they're doing i get it you know this this is exactly my principle my purpose is to when i shine the light not only do you, do you feel that you're you've got this spotlight and this opportunity to share what you're sharing here but other people will res resonate with the messages and the conversation I heard from someone this week that they've taken so much from the episodes recently 
and it's it's so personal everyone takes away something different because as you say you've got different life experiences you've you've had different moments which put emphasis on different elements for the, each individual your journey has got you to where you are now and is taking you to where you want to go and there is purpose to that there is that meaning and that you've given it and it's incredible susan thank you thank you very much tell me what's coming up what is it that you will say oh mission accomplished or will that day never come i can't see <laughs> i can't see that end goal it sounds i'm i'm sure that your average career coach or visionary or, or goal setting person will be wagging their finger at me i can't see that end goal yet because things change very quickly we've been through a pandemic where all of us had to make big changes and earlier on in my life i had to make big changes and change my vision from what i originally wanted to do because i i didn't feel that i was on this earth to be an opera singer, for example, <laughs> that came later on. However, as a, as a five-year-old, I wanted to see the world. And whilst still I'm delivering most of my work virtually to a global audience, I am meeting people uh, virtually from all over the world. So maybe I have fulfilled that. And do you bring music into your work at all now? Or is it just a separate chapter that you've closed the door on? It is a separate chapter. Other than the fact it's it's more the performance side than the music per se. Um, the performance side and managing fear, the preparation side that I would say is very, very similar. And can we all sing, Susan? Because this is something that I was told. Here we go. So I was told when I was at school by my music teacher <laughs> that I could sang, I sang like a hoover. Do you know, my, my um, singing teacher at school, um, the one where Carmine Barana, told me to sing alto or shut up. The, the, yeah, the singing teacher who did this said, oh, you sound like a trumpet. You know... It's getting back to feedback, isn't it? <laughs> it's so interesting. I don't know what it is about music teachers, but they have this incredible power because I remember when my kids were little, my kids both sang beautifully and that fortunately for them because their fellow peers were told to mouth if they were not up to scratch. It's such a shame. <laughs> and, and yet, if you are in the King's College choir doing Christmas Eve, um, I understand that you need elite voices. There's no doubt about that. And you're not going to have any mouthers. But for most choirs, having a go and having a growler in the corner does not matter. <laughs> I know, it's hilarious. Yeah, I, I, my children, yeah, it is funny though, and I, I do have to give some uh, credit to my music teacher because even my children told me to stop singing nursery rhymes to them when they were little. <laughs> so that, my son would put his thumb, his fist in my mouth when I sang to other people. I don't know if it was because that's mummy's voice and it's my voice. It's only for me. Uh, it was a proper physical thing. <laughs> 
It's incredible. It really is. All I know is that singing is a is a very powerful way to communicate. And and yeah. as you are the superstar communicator, <laughs> it seems that you've mastered different mediums of the communication area. Going back to purpose, Susan, I just want to just touch on what purpose means in terms of the work that you're doing for your clients, how they they bring it into their purpose, their vision as well. That is a really, really good question because um, the superstar communicator methodology that I created is all about two-way spoken communication. And that includes conversations. I believe that as soon as we're not speaking to ourselves, we're public speaking and we're having a conversation. And that might include having awkward conversations or have saying things that might have an impact on other people, rather like some of these scenarios we've discussed. And I have been on the receiving end of some really, really unacceptable conversations. I'm sure we all have. But there's one that I will always hold on to, and that was when I was 22 and I came back from Kenya and I was very, very badly injured. I mean, I had multiple life-changing injuries. And I was brought back to a hospital. I won't say where it was. And I tried to walk, but they put me in a wheelchair. And I was wheeled into the surgery. And the first thing the doctor said to me was, well, Susan, you won't walk by the age of 30 and you'll never have children. And there had been no x-ray at that point, no examination. And there was this stunned silence by the the other medical professions around me. And then a nurse piped up, have you had your period since the accident? (laughs) And I I believe that that as much as the 17-year-old me is a reason for me really being aware of the audience and the situation. Yeah, there was a possibility that that might happen, although, spoiler alert, I have a 23-year-old son and I'm standing now. But with the amount of trauma and pain and fear that I was already going through, it was probably not the best thing to be told. And again, has shaped your methodology to understand how to better communicate. Absolutely. We have to turn it around those horrific things at some point. We survive by reframing. I love that phrase. And not just survive, though, turning it into, and I know it's such a cliche, but survive to thrive and from reframing. You've mentioned and you've been really accurate with your recollections of your age at these various moments. Do you do you sort of have an ability to recall instantly these memories and other memories? Is it or do you have you spent some time just understanding how these moments and when they've happened have been pivotal for you? I think a bit of both. I I do still suffer from post-traumatic shock disorder. So um, occasionally there are memories that I'm, I'm triggered by memories and I perhaps don't want to recall them. Um, but I've tried to understand as I've got older 
things that have happened to me that have shaped me and try to reframe them so that they are positives. Because, you know, the reality is, as a 22-year-old in that hospital, that could have broken me completely. Um, and I, when I think about it, it could make me very sad and very angry, but I refuse to do that. You know, I'm so lucky with the life that I have, and I don't want it to be spoilt by those negative thoughts from that. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And what I hear with the honesty that you've brought to the table it is that level of, of trust of your own ability, your own self. And that comes with a great deal of understanding about life from my, from my perspective, that understanding that you can trust your own decisions and be the master of your own destiny in, in many ways. You said at the beginning, when we were talking about doing the very best you can, that not just good enough. And I just want to pick on that thread because that good enough is something that torments so many people that they are not good enough. So to be just good enough for you seems like that's still not enough. I would agree with that. At the moment, because I've got this. <laughs> what have you done? For those people listening, I've got a, a, a fractured wrist. So when I'm doing virtual workshops, it's one hand. So I always say to people, I want you to be exceptional because I know you are. However, today, my exceptional is going to be good enough because it's one hand. And I feel that we have to be kind to ourselves. And when there are exceptions where, like this, where we can't be our normal best selves to do the best we can. However, I should flag up that I am not, you know how people can be categorized as type A and type B. I'm very much not a type A. I'm going to just pull on a different thread right now. I, I wanted to <laughs> ask you about, again, is the purpose thread that I'm I'm really keen to hear more about being I know we've talked a lot about the working environment, but as a mum, I've got two children and purpose has come to conversations later for, for them in life because it came to me later in life as I, as I turned a, a very difficult situation in our own lives around several years ago, I I'm now much more aware of living with purpose. And so it becomes a conversation with with my children. Has it ever been a conversation that you've had with with your son? Not distinctly. I believe he found his own purpose. There was always music and creativity in the house. Um, and it was quite clear he was going to go down that route because his mates were doing IT. He did A-level IT, but he did music as well. And he said to me one day, you know, mum, I'm not going to do IT at university. I'm going to do music. And I did a yes. <laughs> That's my boy. But 
because I completely understood it. He had found it. Maybe the purpose I'd given him was subliminal. It was just there. He saw what I did. And he knew that that was a world that he wanted to be in. It was more difficult for my husband with respect to Neil because I think he was slightly stunned. <laughs> it is It is interesting, though, seeing and having had different childhood experiences to the ones that I've given well, and my husband, we've given our children. It's really interesting to see then now which paths are much more open to them you know there were there haven't been quite a lot of the challenges that my husband and I had when when you know we were young that they haven't had to face but it's all relative yes you know it's relative and they will face different things it's a different time they've had they had COVID to deal with the both of them were during big exam times for them and also being separated from all of their friends that was a really big challenge Absolutely. We can't underestimate that. I mean, Nick was at um, Cardiff University during COVID and he lived with us for two and a half years, which was a gift for us because we got to know him as an adult. But he was ready to go to Bristol University to do his MA. And I like to hope that he's living that life that he would have had as a student as an undergraduate. (laughs) without asking him any questions. So what's next for you, Susan? Are you, how, how much more superstar communicator work are you going to be doing? I've got quite a lot planned for this year. I am partnering with another, a couple of companies to deliver a series of workshops, virtual workshops. I've also got some speaking bookings in the diary including one a mile away I mean I can walk there isn't that probably not not with a fractured wrist though (laughs) oh yeah I can do that (laughs) but but yes that's in June I'm going to Dubai and Belfast in March so I'm speaking um in those locations yeah watch this space doing things for International Women's Day I'm always open my husband always says to me you're always moaning you've not got much in the diary and then you look back and you're busy and it was exactly the same when I was a singer always reflect and look back what there's been because it will get filled again and the theme for this year which is 2023 for International Women's Day is embrace equity yes is that is that something that you're championing particularly in your work Do you know, it's an interesting one because there's been quite a lot of noise about this particular theme because it's not as clear as um, breaking the bias and, and, and previous years. What I've been thinking about is different, different groups of people, such as um, different nationalities, um, obviously all female, different age groups different departments, making sure that as a really good superstar communicator, female, that we are valuing all of those people's contribution. Um, As an, an older person myself, over 50, I'm very aware that there's a lot of noise at the moment about over 50s coming off the golf course, going back to work. 
But if in the workplace you don't value them, you don't demonstrate you value them, um, or you don't have works the, the workplace set up so that over 50s who might be caring for older people, might be caring for grandchildren as well, might be going through the menopause, they are not going to return to work. So really thinking about these things. And it's interesting that you just mentioned the the women who are returning after menopause or, or or having that opportunity. And I was reading a fantastic book called The Upgrade by Dr. Luanne Brizendine. And it's a fantastic book. I highly recommend anybody reading it, especially if you are either going through the menopause yourself, have gone through it or know someone who is going through it at the time. Because it's about how the, the female brain gets stronger in midlife and and better in midlife and beyond and what's really interesting is you're talking about opportunities for people who are being encouraged back into the workplace and what's interesting is that this particular book raises the the fact that men get invited back into sort of ned non-executive directorship roles women get asked to volunteer now, oh that is... apps oh my goodness me yes i i've be i've started exploring the NED role um, and I went along to a virtual workshop on that won't mention the organization but they said to me oh well you've got nothing to offer I've I, you know I've won business awards I've you know yeah. what else do I need to do it's, it's incredible and it, it's a it so this book shows you or helps you to to understand how you can package yourself up a little bit better and present yourself. So this whole equity in this particular period of life, and I am a big champion of midlifers because I call it midlife beginnings instead of midlife crises, because it's for me, I've experienced them. I encourage them. I embrace them. So I'm embracing the theme for this year, particularly for Embrace Equity and Embrace Equity in Midlife. My goodness. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> Fabulous. Susan, how would people be able to get in contact with you? What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Do you know the best way is either via my website, which is superstarcommunicator.com or to connect with me, say where you've heard me on LinkedIn. There's only one Susan Heaton Wright because it's my my stage name. Love that. There we go. Well, thank you so much for sharing your focus on why, your raison d'etre, why you love doing your work and, and, and how it's helping so many people to become superstar communicators, which, you know, the world can do with as many of those as possible. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. How would you like to close out the episode today, Susan? I'd like to share with you that if I can do it, that nervous seven-year-old that didn't used to speak out, you definitely can. So be a superstar communicator. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. 
Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.